Today's Leading Women episode 196. Women all over the world, get ready for inspiring and empowering interviews from women at the top of their field who are kicking butt in their business and who are prepared to share shocking revelations from being in the limelight. You are now listening to Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg. Are you looking on expanding your audience through podcasting? Learn how to create, grow, and monetize your podcast. Go to learnpodcastingtoday.com to learn more. Yes, women of the world, let's get started. I am delighted to introduce you our amazing guest for today, Dana Manshagli. Dana Manshagli is a global career expert, a private coach, a speaker, and a consultant. She has spent more than 30 years as a Fortune 500 sales and marketing executive, most recently 11 years at Microsoft. Dana is the author of the book, Cut a Crop, Get a Job. Women of the World, Ms. Dana Manshagli. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Marie, and I look forward to this time with your audience. We are excited to have you on the show, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So, Dana, I really like what you're doing with your business. You are a success in your own right. You put in the effort, the sweat equity, the knowledge, and the experience to build a special business you call your own. As a result of that, our listeners really want to get to know you, and I want to provide that conduit, you know, that bridge between you and our listeners. So here are some cool questions that we can talk about. Feel free to comment anytime about them, but these are just general questions I have in mind. So let's start with your business. You know, there might be people out there who want to start one and have no clue how to go about it. Can you tell us more about your business and the idea behind that niche? Absolutely. Well, first, I only started my business last March 2013. So I really just crossed the year mark and it's been a phenomenal year. And I started it after, as you said, 30 years in corporate America. So I hope many of your listeners, either who have just started theirs or who are thinking about starting theirs, just do it, knowing that there are some some clever tricks and traps to avoid, of course. But um, I'm so excited about looking back over the past year and going from absolutely you know a full-time job in corporate America to my own business. And I'll briefly describe it. It's much more than authoring a book. That was my first step to really establish myself as an expert in my new field. So Marie, I not only started a new business, but I changed careers launching from a sales and marketing executive to not consulting in sales and marketing, but to being a, a global career expert, helping people with their careers. In uh, public speaking, is my business model is speaking, it's consulting, and private coaching. Wow, I love what I'm hearing about your business and how it evolved and came into existence. And I'm sure our listeners were curious to hear that one from you as well. And congratulations for making that leap. I mean, I could imagine after 30 years of being in a corporate world and now jumping into your own business, what an inspiring story that must be. Now, what was that defining moment, you know, that prompted you to start this business and made you say, this is my business? Well, first, I, like millions out there, and I'm sure most of your listeners, have always talked about, gee, wouldn't it be great if, or I wish I could. And my dream was, even while working, was to write a book. 
to share what I was learning about the job search and career growth while I was working. So that was a partial dream of doing something on the side. Uh, what triggered me, my complete metamorphosis and very quickly were uh, three things. Number one, I got a sabbatical at Microsoft, earned a sabbatical, which is about two months uh, break from working, truly disconnecting. And I think when anyone clears their head of all of their day-to-day -day routine, that's what made a big difference for me to really think about what I wanted to do the rest of my life. I'm 53. What, what do I want to do the next 50 years? The number two is my both of my boys got jobs after college and they're off mommy's payroll. So financially to just know that I had the, at least at least that amount of money that I was investing in my boys to now invest in me. It's my turn. And thirdly is um, is I battled cancer twice and so did my identical twin. And it's just a, a, an absolute wake up call on the old life's too short facing mortality, and the importance of us really at least trying to face our passions head on. We can always go back, but we can always, but we, I believe I would have regretted not trying. And those are the three big catalysts all at the same time. Wow, what a story you have there. And wow, I can totally relate to you because for me as well, I had a, about three almost three years um, ago I had a cancer scare myself I was going through a lot of failed IVFs and all of these hormones that were, were injected into my body you know I got a lot of reactions to it so I almost had a cancer scare and thank god it was just a cancer scare but I took it so seriously and I had elected you know, it let me think of my life and what I really want to do in life. What, what if suddenly I, you know, I'm not in this world anymore? I mean, that was really scary moment for me. And that made me evaluate what are my priorities are in life. So for our listeners out there, I hope that you won't have this uh, serious events in your life, but find that moment when you feel like, okay, is it what you're doing right now? Is it something that you are really passionate about? Or is it something that really gives meaning to you? Because more often, when we think of ourselves, when we think it that way, we feel like, okay, what is it that I, I want to do for the rest of my life? Am I doing, am I you know, contributing something that really makes me happy? Am I doing something that really makes me happy? Because sometimes, or more often, that's the birth of a great business idea. So I love that you share your story for our listeners as well. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And I too hope it's nothing like cancer that triggers this for anybody. And I want to also reinforce, I was really, really happy in my corporate America jobs, including Microsoft. I actually, and I was getting value, I, and my, you know, giving back to the community through my company. And I thought I was going to stay there a long, long time. So I hope there's an also an equal appreciation for maybe being entrepreneurial within your company, finding the, the, the incubations and the startups and, and cool things around community affairs within a company. So changing roles within a company is also very viable because, boy, I love that steady paycheck, those health benefits. Uh, I raised my family on corporations and supported them as the sole breadwinner. And I, I just value, of course, making a difference within a company as well as entrepreneurship. 
Absolutely, I totally agree with you with that one. We don't have to be an entrepreneur to find fulfillment in what it is that we're doing to be able to contribute or to be able to feel that we are making a difference in other people's lives. We don't have to be an entrepreneur to do that. If we can do that one in our career, you know, that's one way of doing it. So it doesn't have to be, okay, one one way or this way or like that. So I love that you share that insights for our, our listeners there as well. Now, your business obviously has a vision to be the market leader in your industry, and that resonates very well with a particular portion of our listeners. However, they really like to know what was that compelling vision for your business that continues to drive you towards success day in and day out. Well, my compelling vision was that, of course, careers and job search, employment overall is still one of the primary topics and problems with America today and worldwide. It's a global problem. And I thought I have unique ability now and talent and knowledge after my 30 years of being on the hiring side of the table. And so I took that and said, God, I have all this knowledge from hiring and interviewing and looking at resumes for so many years that I believe I can go out and make a difference. Now, many HR, human resources people and recruiters are also experts in this field, but I believe I have this unique ability to say, hey, when you do this, I see that coming from a frontline hiring manager. So my vision is to live my legacy and not just leave it by um, two things, by living my legacy to help others and make a dollar at the same time. And secondly, my vision is to have flexibility to help people globally where I could travel, I could do this from wherever I am, and this could take me well over the next 20 years. So I really had a vision of a personal vision of what I wanted to do with work-life balance as well as professionally, and that's what I built my business on. Live my legacy to help others and to ha- have that flexibility to li- to go or to live the kind of lifestyle you want to have and be yes. able to travel and speak to people and inspire them. Wow, what a compelling vision that one is. And thank you for sharing that. Now, for our listeners out there, the takeaway here is to really think about creating a vision for yourself and for your business that inspires you, you know, that's something that encourages you or that gives you direction um, in your business and in your life in general, like what uh, Dana just shared with us. So create that vision, that something that, you know, that motivates you on a daily basis, especially during those times that there are going to be some challenges along the way, because uh, there are going to be challenges along the way building a business. But if you have this vision, if you have this inspiration that keeps you moving forward, that will help you weather that storm. So thank you for sharing your vision for our listeners to learn from as well. Now, uh, let's talk about how you prepared for success that turned this vision into a reality. Can you share our listeners what are some of your personality traits or your top three personal qualities that help you become a successful entrepreneur and that our listeners can learn from? Yeah, the first one for me is the business experience, is business savvy. And I realize not everybody who starts their own business happens to have a business background like I do, an MBA and many, many years running businesses. 
However, that can be learned. There are courses to take. But just knowing how a business operates, what the business language is out there, I think that's helped me tremendously, especially when it comes to building a business plan, which so many entrepreneurs don't have. So, um, And there are many templates online. So starting with a basic business plan, understanding your economics, and, uh, and that's one. My second one is I'm an organization fanatic. Uh, I always have been since I was little, so this truly is a personality characteristic. But being able to just make lists of lists, I have lists of lists, and then each list has things to do, deadlines, and they're all organized on my PC, not little yellow sticky notes. So I think that's an important, that has been for me, a very important personal trait to start a business because you are a one-man band. And the third one, Marie, is communication skills. You need to be able to write with good grammar. You need to be able to articulate your business, why you're different, uh, and give presentations, speak to audiences, nonverbal, so everything on communication. So if you have a gap in any area, just go out and learn that. Take a course. Join Toastmasters for presenting. But all three of those combined, I think, have, have... Mostly they've helped me accelerate my business to a successful one just in just over a year. Being a business savvy, being an organization fanatic and having that great communication skills, huge personality traits that you've just shared. And the good news is that we all can cultivate and adopt these uh, traits that uh, Dana just shared with us. So that again is being a business savvy. I mean, learning how a business works or even the foundation of, of building a business and being an organization fanatic. I love that you shared with us with you, you how you create your list and then, li- you know, because be, that's how we organize ourselves. And I echo what you said about, you know, being a business owner, more often you are working alone. And so you really have to be organized and make those priorities. Um, and then and, and then the communication skills that uh, you've just shared, just, for me, is one of the one of the top skills that I, I think is one of the most important skills that we all have to develop. So for our listeners out there, these uh, traits that Dana just shared with us, let's all cultivate and adapt them in our life in general and on our building business activities. So thanks for sharing that. My pleasure. All right. Now let's talk about what happened when you started your journey as entrepreneur. You know, as entrepreneurs, we face daily challenges that define our being and to get through those challenges takes a very special person and our audience wants to know that special person in here. So what have been your biggest challenges and how have you addressed or overcame those barriers to success that a lot of women entrepreneurs face today? Well, I faced, of course, the, the, my first challenge that I imagine everybody faces at some level is confidence is although I'm a very confident person, this is a big leap. And I needed to overcome all of my excuses I was giving myself not to. So I literally listed them out back to my organization. Like, what is preventing me from doing this? And the scary one was, of course, finances. And so I, I, I do have a someone helping me with my finances. And I asked permission from Betty if I could spend my own money doing this business. Do I have enough to perhaps to invest at, at least a year. So I'll segue from confidence that we need to get over that hump, especially as women. And once I did that, my next challenge was the huge investment. 
just letting go of dollars and put it, pushing them into my business, realizing that later it would come back as a return on investment. But boy, I can't underestimate or understate here for your audience the investment that is needed. If you have big goals and big ideas, it does take upfront investment, like the first six months of, uh, and I can go into more detail for you later in what kinds of investment. Marie, my sec, my, uh, so third one after confidence and huge investment was rejection. You know, in a startup, um, it's, it's pure selling. I'm back, I am back to my early days selling for IBM way long ago. And that is you are, you are introducing yourself to people who you want to buy. You want them to take action and buy from you. And there's a lot of no. I tried building some big alliances early and I was nobody on their radar and their answer was no. Or corporate sponsorships, no. So you need to get used to some rejection, quite a bit of it actually. And I'll give you my last one. Uh, I, don't, I know you may want three. I'm going to give you my fourth challenge is saying no. Yeah, learning how to prioritize. I started prioritizing about six months ago, halfway into my business, by revenue. Like I would put dollar signs next to that those action items. And I would need to force myself to say, how is this going to lead eventually to revenue? Might be long term, short term. But if it had no story of leading to a business that could make revenue, um, then I would prioritize it lower. Because it's easy to get caught up in little things that make us feel good or doing a quick freebie, but there's no revenue stream at the end, even a year later. Huge lessons in what you've shared. I mean, these challenges that you have just shared with us and overcoming confidence and a huge investment, especially financial and time investment in building your business and overcoming rejection and learning how to say no. Wow. I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there are, can relate to these challenges. And I, for me, I totally can relate because I've experienced all of this that you've just shared. But the good news is that we all can learn from each other and support each other along the way. So the for our listeners out there, learn from what Dana just shared with us. If this is one of the challenges that you face, know that what Dana have just shared with us on how to deal with them because that's a huge takeaways with these challenges that Dana just experienced in building her business. So love that you shared that one for our listeners. All right, let's uh, switch gears for a little bit and talk about work-life balance. You know, being a business owner myself, maintaining a work-life balance is so crucial to overall success in life. Now, the challenge with entrepreneurs is how to click on and click off and create the work-life balance, particularly if you have a family juggling many roles. So in your life as an entrepreneur, how do you maintain this work-life balance and what are some of the ways that you accomplish this in the areas of your health, your family, your relationships, and your business? Well, this is a tough one for me. You will not see me on stage being an expert in work-life balance, even from my corporate career. And fortunately, my kids now are 26 and 24 so and not, not living at home. So it's a little easier. But even while having young kids, 
work-life balance was always a struggle, uh, even again, and maybe even more so with working for a corporation. So I have, but I have changed things and and used the opportunity as an entrepreneur to be sure I made work-life balance a very high priority. So first thing I did, part of the investment that we talked about early on, was I did invest in a small office that I go to. I get up, I leave, and that that helps me uh, compartmentalize and be sure that my work is at work, and then when I'm home, I try to be all present at home. Try to be. So that's about, for me, about $500 a month investment in work-life balance. And the other one is I work out every morning at 6 a.m., and at least two times a week I have a trainer because that commits me that I have to go in, and he kicks my butt a lot harder than I would myself. But I do work out very regularly. And my final one is just turning off the laptop because with entrepreneurship, you could easily work 24 by 7. And it's so important to just shut down and clear your mind and get creative. Even take out a pad and pen and just kind of doodle about your business instead of getting caught up in email. Well, I love your perspective on work-life balance and those tips that you've just shared because you are absolutely right. And this is an area that I'm sure a lot of our listeners and a lot of entrepreneurs out there are struggling with. And I do myself on a daily basis, but there are ways to deal with this. And I love that you share those tips that you are doing for yourselves. So it's all about making a priority and making time for those that, that are important to you. So for example, you said you invested in a small office that when you know, you know you're separating the space that when you're at work, you really focus on work. And when you are um, on your, with your family, you focus with your family. Or when you have your downtime, you focus with your downtime with yourself. Yes. And yes, I'm really big on taking care of ourselves. And I, I commend you for getting that trainer because it really helps get you you know, account, be accountable. You know, when you have this trainer, uh, personal trainer, for example, to be for your fitness, for your health and fitness, it really keeps you on the toes. So I'm really big on taking care of ourselves first because I believe that one of our greatest investment is ourself. I mean, without our health, we won't be able to build this business in the first place and enjoy the other areas of our life. So really for our listeners out there, whatever your situation is, work around it, work around your current situation, but remember not to neglect all these areas that are important to you, your health, your family, your business, of course. So it's all about making time for those that are your priorities and are, that are important to you. So thank you for sharing your perspective on that and those tips that our listeners can learn from and apply in their lives. Yeah, and Marie, it's important that we not feel guilt-ridden. As women, we do this, of course, more than men. We all know this. But not to feel guilty, and that's why I also use the word investment clearly. I don't call it spending or a cost. Um, This is investing in you as a person, you as a role model for your children and those around you, uh, you being happy. So this is really important not to say, oh, I feel guilty. I'm going to spend that money on a trainer or on that haircut because you want to look and feel good when you you are the president of your company. And you are the owner, the president, whatever title you want to give you. And you want to invest in those things that make you come across your best to everybody, including your family. Absolutely. And if you need that spa massage, for example, just to distress and decompress, Wow, yes. don't feel guilty about it. You deserve it. I mean, after all these day- times that you are putting in your business, you deserve to take care of yourself and pamper yourself once in a while. I'm really big on that. Right. I agree. 
All right, now let's talk about success and what success means to you. You know, your business appears to be financially doing quite well. And when that success flows into other areas in the entrepreneur's life. Now, we'd like to also say that success is a mindset. I can have $10 in my pocket, but my mind feels like a millionaire. I feel great about myself and I'm moving forward. The opposite way will be a multi-billionaire and be totally miserable. So am I successful? Financially, yes. Individually, probably not. So in your journey as an entrepreneur, what does success mean to you? And what are some of the benchmarks that you use to measure your success? Yeah, and I agree. I'm so glad you said it because I was about to. It is not all dollars. And that's um, that's one of the metrics, but that's actually a resulting metric. So I draw a line like a continuum, and I set benchmarks for activities. I really feel good. I feel successful that I'm making the right activities that lead to ultimately to revenue, which pays the bills and everything. So, the, so starting with activities, um, I count the number of proposals I send out for my business. So no matter what business you're in, uh, there's a certain amount of solicitations. I call them proposals. And mine sometimes may be for speakership opportunities, for clients that I private coach on how to get a job, for corporate sponsorships, whatever they are, I count them and I feel good that those are growing. Because if the number grows of solicitations, then your pipeline from a sales perspective, that's a sales word, you know, you're building a funnel of opportunities. And just by sheer numbers playing the odds game, those will result in revenue. So that's one thing I do is, is really try to increase my proposals. And I've made investments in uh, a virtual assistant who I can send leads to, and she is following up. She's not even located near me, but she has all the content to not only submit proposals, but to follow up for me. So at a very low cost, really hiring just a, a temporary person, a contractor, 1099, to help me with that the proposal generation. So that's a big one. Um, and my other metric is, of course, revenue. Um, because think about it's, it's I, I love the phrase just it's based on a calculator a simple calculator you don't even need a PC let's say speak speaking uh, public speaking some of you are in that business or want to get into it you know I, I imagine if you could give one speech a month for ten thousand dollar fee or ten at a thousand or twenty at five hundred dollars so it's all about pricing and positioning yourself to um, to really understand the economics of whatever business you're in and of course try to do fewer events at higher fees so um, th there's a math to that but it's uh, pretty pretty straightforward and you can get there by testing out different pricing models so I'll pause on those two of just big ones is I measure activities that lead to revenue and then I try to, of course, I measure actual revenue, but I try to price carefully so that I'm not just killing myself and not feeling I'm making enough revenue. Wow, what a great insights and perspective you have about success. And I love that you shared your benchmarks for success um, that you use in your business. 
so that our listeners can learn from it as well. Now, let's talk about one of the highlights of our show, and that's your advice for other entrepreneurs and those aspiring to be. You obviously got some lessons learned under your belt of experience, so take it back to the past. Say you're going to start all over again as an entrepreneur, and you are in a class with other entrepreneurs who are hungry and thirsty for success, or even for making that first buck. What types of special suggestions or advice and lessons that you learn would you give your fellow entrepreneurs knowing where you came from and where you headed at? And if you can boil them down to your top three tips or advice, what would those three be? Great. Well, I, I do have three because I not only from what I learned and from reading books, but also I'm coaching other entrepreneurs to be uh, or current entrepreneurs on how to get their business going. So I'm, I'm really enjoying that. And here are three that, uh, that has st- stand out, not just with me, but with others. One is the excuses, what I call the shoulds. And we want to beware of the word should. When you catch yourself saying, well, I should do this, I should do that, or someone tells you that, spouses and friends with all the kindness in their heart are filled with shoulds. And like I did and I have my clients do is write down all those barriers, whatever they are. They can be money, they can be uh, I get distracted, or gee, how am I going to pay? Get Health insurance is a common one. All of these, put them in a column of excuses or shoulds, and we can address each one. You can address each one. Now, some are real barriers, so I understand. Believe me, I understood before my my kids grew up old, old enough to support themselves what it's like to not have the savings and the cash to start a business. But there are all kinds of ways around that. So that's number one is you must address the excuses and the shoulds. Number two, investment. Too many people think they can start a business by putting their name on a door or business cards or starting a website. And then they wonder six months later why they don't have any clients, no prospects, they're not getting any traction. So the investment is very important in whatever, and and that's based on your business plan. So I don't have a hard list of investments. I know social media is a key one, and I invested from day one. Um, in social media, a, a manager who understood social media because I didn't, and they got me going, and I'm still investing in that. We can talk about that in a moment. And the third advice for women entrepreneurs, either entrepreneur, entrepreneur wannabes or currently start in your own business, is do plan for the long term. There are no shortcuts, no easy ways around just putting out a clipboard and signing on clients of any kind, shape or size. So you must plan for long-term meaning two, three years at least to realize the kind of revenue you aspire to. Well, great tips there that you've just shared. And let me just summarize them again for our listeners. So the first one is to address the this the, um, the excuses and the shoes and I love that sh- you share that one because I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to this because I am I can myself and then the second one is the investment to you know invest in the growth of your business so for example uh, this investing with a social ma- media manager that, in, that uh, manages your social media for example that's an investment that you have to be willing to make the investment financially to have that and the third one is to do plan for a long term. You know, I 
really love that you've mentioned this because you know building a business as they say is not a sprint but a marathon you know you take yes. do this in the, for the long haul you know make sure that you are not doing this for a quick fix or like that because it's the business doesn't work that way and if you are don't be discouraged when you don't see results right away because it, it, it sometimes it takes years sometimes like what Dana just said said uh, it will be about two to three years before you can see even a result so be in it for a long haul so I I love that you share those tips that our listeners can take action on today. Now, what's one favorite business resource that you use in your business that's radically changing the way you do business and that which you can share our listeners with? Yeah, and I, by the way, I'm happy at the end I'll provide my email address and my website because I'm happy to answer any questions from your audience and give out names of my resources, anything. I'm an open book. First of all, I mentioned already my social media manager. And what that is, is I write all the content. I won't go, let anyone ghost write for me. Everything's my voice. And I love that I can do that without getting feedback from my company. But um, so this person just takes, they built the whole ecosystem of social media, so I'm on every social media website, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, etc., and when I write the content, I just send it to them and they make it go crazy. So I went from um, zero, I went from sending my first tweet 18 months ago to now having over 20,000 Twitter followers. So I I track the metrics of every one of my social media placements. And my second investment is in an editor. So I have on a monthly retainer, very small, someone who reviews everything I write. Now, I'm a pretty good writer, but boy, Gail catches everything. And so I know that all of my content, my blogs, my column, I'm a columnist, my books, they all go out with first class grammar and just clarity. She'll question that something. Those are two examples. Of course, I have an accountant, a a bookkeeper. uh, and I've done my legal homework on, on trademark. So there are, there are many resources, marketing resources, design, website design. But the list goes on and on, and I have them all listed. Wow, great resources that you just shared. And I love that you shared that one for our listeners. So I'll have those ones on our show notes as well. Now, entrepreneurs are wide readers. Can you recommend a book or two that our listeners can get that will help them grow personally and professionally? Yeah, aside from, of course, the uh, I have books on, on virtually every topic I knew nothing about. So whether it's uh, how to write a book or how to build a website, you know, or how to tweet, you know, anything. I won't even mention those are more uh, how-to books, which are, have been so helpful. And webinars. I think I'd like to say that I'm not as much a book reader any longer as I am finding free webinars on just about any topic. And I learned so much that way. But I will tell you my favorite book, which is not even a pure business book, and it it, it ties in a lot of what we've been talking about today, about confidence and excuses and shoulds. And that little devil that's on our right shoulder, I think he's on the right, uh, a little guy in red and has two horns coming out of his head. And of course, he's a he because he's a dude. And um, he's telling us all this negative stuff. We're not good enough. We can't do that. I don't know how to do that. So my favorite book kicks that little devil guy off my shoulder, and it's called Change the Way You See Everything. 
Change the Way You See Everything by Kathy Kramer, a wonderful woman. And it's a beautiful book, by the way, like a tabletop book with beautiful photography, images that stay in my mind. And I pick up that book about once a quarter. And it teaches me the how-to and inspires me to think positively about everything I'm doing. And I I would love every woman to just... Go find it at the library or buy it for yourself. Invest in it as a gift to yourself. Yes, and that's changed the way you see everything by Kathy Kramer. Definitely yes. going to have that one on our resources section as well. So thank you for sharing that. Now, Diana, last but not least, share our listeners what's one big benefit that they can get with your product or your service and where they can get it. And also, I'd love for you to touch upon your book, Cut the Crop, Get a Job, and then we'll end from there. Absolutely. My first, first, my big message to everyone about benefits to your audiences of any kind is be yourself. You know, be your own voice. Be comfortable that you are who you are. And that's why I titled my book "Cut the Crap, Get a Job" because I am more like Jillian Michaels and Susie Orman, and I know that. So I get to be that persona, and and I'm in my own voice, my own way. So pick your style, and don't let anyone tell you that's not a good style. Yeah, I had a few feathers ruffled with the title of my book, including my mother. Uh, but uh, but outside of that, that's who I want to be. So my biggest benefit to my, to all of my customers worldwide, whether through my book or my speaking or my coaching, is twofold. Number one, if you're employed and you're stuck, I help you get unstuck. So that's number one benefit. Number two, if you're looking for your next career move, cut the crap and go get it. And I'll help you on how to do that. And as I mentioned, I also help part of that employment is self-employment. So I also help cut the crap, start your own business now. Because there's nothing stopping any of us. So my benefit, uh, to summarize, is uh, really the how-to. I'm very practical, like Susie Orman, Jillian Michaels. And you can get all of that and read more about my services and buy my book. And get free blogs, free resources on my website just after that is my name. So it's Dana, D-A-N-A, and my last name, Menciagli, M-A-N. C-I-A-G-L-I. So com has everything there that you need. All right. And that's com. I'm going to have the, the yes. links and the resources that you've shared in our uh, resource uh, section as well. So for our listeners out there, I highly re- encourage you to check her website. That's com, And also check her book and all the resources and the tips and strategies that she is uh, offering or she's sharing with us on her site. And by the way, all of these uh, fantastic resources and the links that are mentioned in today's podcast will be made available in a beautiful infographic show notes at todaysleadingwomen.com forward slash Dana Manchagli or just type in her name on the search bar and it will find it for you. But again, that link is danamanchagli.com. Dana, thank you so much for being so generous in sharing your time and your inspiring story, your expertise, for being a role model to many, and for bringing such a positive energy with our listeners today. Women of the world, including me, appreciate you and wish you more success in business and in your life. Thank you so much. Best regards. 
Podcasting is taking the world by storm. If you are a marketer and not using this platform, your business is missing out on a big opportunity to reach a wider audience. Find out how you can create, grow, and monetize your podcast and take your podcasting skills from novice to experts. Go to learnpodcastingtoday.com now. Feeling inspired and empowered to make it happen? Then take the next step and go get your free guide to the top three iPhone apps that these high-achieving women use to get things done lightning fast today. Visit todaysleadingwomen.com slash apps for your free download, and we'll see you on the next episode of Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg.